Welcome to Newborn to Teen and Everything in Between, the podcast from Bespoke Family. I'm Bex. And I'm Claire. Thanks for joining us as we tackle the ups and downs of life with children, helping you to get the best out of your time together. No rules, no judgment, just guidance. So grab a cuppa and let's get started with today's episode. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. Today we are delighted to welcome Elizabeth Bennett, who is affectionately known, I understand, as the Teen Genie. Um, And we're here to talk all about talking to teenagers. Um, It's a really good kind of topic since we've just covered talking to toddlers. And so we're going to the other end of the spectrum and we're really delighted to welcome you, Elizabeth. Thanks. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. So... Just to kind of uh, set the scene a little bit for you, Elizabeth, I have teenage twins. And so from my perspective, this is a very personal thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping to learn a lot from you, but I know that um, our listeners will as well. And so perhaps could we just start by you introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about your background? and Sure. So um, I was in the field of education for over 35 years. Um, the last, well, and, and most of it in administration until I, uh, was a principal for about 18. And then I decided just in this past year, um, that I wanted to reach more people and I wanted to do more things because here we have, you know, increased bullying, um, the statistics around suicide are, are saddening, really like in North America it's the second cause of death of teens. And that's like, we need to be getting that off of our radar. And there's, you know, all kinds of other things that are going on. And so I wanted to be able to reach more families to have them connected. Because what was happening for me was as a school principal, you know, I was having conversations with with kids and, and they're saying that, you know, all we do at home is yell and scream and, you know, nobody listens to me. I don't, I don't think anybody hears me. They don't ask me things that are different than, you know, hi, how was your day? You know, and, and really to get to understand me. And then I would be speaking with parents and they would say the same kinds of things. You know, I'm really frustrated and really angry or annoyed because my kids aren't speaking to me. And quite frankly, I don't know how to connect with them. I don't know what to say. And so I wanted to be that bridge between them because that chasm is large. And if kids are are struggling with social isolation or mental health concerns, as we know, they're on the rise everywhere in the world. And with that, you know, I, I want them to, I want parents to feel comfortable and confident about being able to say, hey, you know, I've noticed this. And we can talk more about that. Mm. I mean, I think, I, I suppose kind of just the first place to start is, what is it about teenagers' brains that make it so difficult? It feels like you go from not being able to, you know, having children that you can't communicate with because they're kind of developing and growing into teenagers. Right. Then you kind of have this little stage where, you know, you have really lovely conversations with your children and then they suddenly hit teenage stage. And I know Claire knows the answer to this because I've heard her talk about it before, but it'd be good to hear from your side as well. Like, why is it so difficult to talk to teenagers? What's happening? (laughs) What happened? (laughs) Well, I think, like, if we look at... Um, brain development 
you know, and really, really, truly, I love teenagers. I love their piss and vinegar. I love their raging hormones. I love their defiance and their, you know, and my favorite is girls, particularly in grade eight. And I'm not sure what that grade would be for you or how you would call it, but in grade eight. So they're around uh, 13, 14, and they do that eye-rolling thing. They have it down to a fine science. So with those kinds of things happening, you know, they've been in a stage where we've been able to have conversation with them, guide them along, tell them what's going on. But then there's a place where they have, so when they're, when they're going to school, you know, they have all the pressures of school. So they, you know, they, they, they wonder if they fit in. They wonder if they're wearing the right clothes. They're wondering if they have friends or don't have friends or what's going to happen next. You know, and they walk into class and things are changed. And, you know, that those transitional things, they don't have the, the, the strategies or the um, experience or the skills and whatever to be able to cope with all of that at the same time. And so that becomes something that they're heavily weighed. I mean, they're, you know, they're excited and they're depressed and they're, you know, they're anxious and they're happy and they're, you know, there's all that going on. And then when we say something like, you know, oh, don't worry about it. They don't know how to deal with that because for them, they're thinking, no, you don't understand. Like all of this stuff is going on and it's not as clear as I'm telling you, it's all muddled together. And so that, that, that anxiety is raised, you know, the whole idea that when they walk into school and they'll walk into a classroom and the class has been rearranged because oftentimes, you know, teachers will, will do um, different projects and, and activities and so on. And so they might arrange the, the seating differently and, you know, they'll have, so when you walk in, if they're not prepared for that, those kinds of transitions are the things that, that really do scare them and they don't know what to do with it. And so they pack that in and then they sit down and, you know, sometimes they'll be sitting beside someone that I call bully pants, right? Someone that they just want to stay away from, but they don't have the opportunity to do that because they haven't told anybody and they're, and they're trying to deal with that kind of stuff on their own. And then the teacher says, well, have you finished your project? Or we have a test next week. Or there's something I'm doing that's different than the regular schedule. And again, that heightens their anxiety. And so there's all that stuff going on all the time. And then if they aren't the kind of student who speaks a lot, you know, and really engages, then they're working on all of that heavily weighted in their body. And then they don't know what to say to you because they can't identify their emotions. They can't identify clearly what it is that's going on for them. And do you think it is from a parent perspective that lots of parents just want to fix the situation? So Absolutely. Yeah. So it's that you hear your child might be struggling with something or, you know, it's hearing that and then going, but it's fine. If you just do this, yeah. don't worry about that. Or oh no, you'll be fine tomorrow, and kind of dismiss it, but not because you want to dismiss it. It's actually because you just don't want to see your child struggling with something. And it's actually, if if we just say, don't worry about it, move on, it's okay, that actually, you know, 
although uh, anyone struggling with anything, if someone says that to you, you're like, that's about as helpful. (laughs) 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 I'm struggling with this right now, so actually I need your help, not it will be fine. Um, And so I think there's that in in any parent, isn't there, to wanting to fix it. And I think that's when potentially the frustrations come or the miscommunication comes, you know. Well, and, and that happens as well in school because teachers say the same thing. Don't worry about it. We'll, you know, I'll help you with it later or so on. And in the meantime, they imagine, particularly at school, they imagine that everybody's looking at them. They imagine that when a teacher even comes near them, oh, my God, what's everybody going to think, right? Because they're so busy projecting that out there that they can't, they, they don't get to realize that, when the teacher says, you know, does anybody have a question? It, they, they just, their intention is to help as the same thing as parents. And you're right. You know, we as a collective adult group want to solve everybody's problems. You know, we want to fix that right away. And sometimes it's not about fixing. Sometimes it really is about listening. Mm-hmm. And that's why um, part of what I did, because I just wrote a book. Ooh. So here's my, here's my new book called Courageous Conversations. A guide for parents to understand and connect with their teens. Mm -hmm. So in the book, I talk about five strategies of dedicated listening. And they don't have any particular order. But here's the bottom line to it. Parents need to understand what's going on with their kids. So they need to listen without judgment. And and that's the part that, that you've said, Claire, about, yeah, I just tell me so that I can fix it for you, right? And we need to be able to help our, our, our kids realize that it might be something that's annoying, aggravating, some issue or so on. It could be bullying at school or it could be, you know, they're, they're real, they'd have test anxiety or, you know, their best friend is now ditched them for somebody else. And, you know, the whole thing with social media now and having their cell phones, I mean, that's equally as brutal. So if, if something's going on with that, and they don't know how to express it, then the understanding piece comes with, okay, well, let's talk about it. Let's see how I can not necessarily help you, but just listen. It's almost like we have to develop at the same time as our teenagers have to develop, isn't it? Because we spend, uh, I mean, you know, I know I've spent the majority of my my children's lives kind of being able to fix it for them you know actually you know being able to sort out you know when we go for a play day or what time they're going to need to be at this thing or making sure they get their homework done and then all of a sudden you're plunged into this actually you can't do that for them anymore a because they don't want you to and b because they need to develop that independence absolutely and that's hard as a parent to kind of be almost plunged in the same way into that kind of, um, it, it, like I say, it's almost like a developmental stage for us as yep. well. Well, and I think it's, you know, we've certainly moved along this continuum or this, uh, you know, the, the pendulum has swung way in the other direction because certainly I know as a, when I was growing up, you know, there, there were very different kinds of rules and expectations. So, you know, children should be seen and not heard. Don't speak unless you're spoken to. Money doesn't grow on trees. Um, 
you know, don't cry, stop crying, or I'll give you something to cry about, those kinds of things. And so at, at that point in time, and certainly there are probably remnants of that in, in our lives that we've heard, and that's what we put forward. And I'll speak to that in a moment. But, but that is way over here on this kind of spectrum. And now that pendulum has swung way in the other direction where parents are now becoming way more um, friends with their kids at that age. And that's a difficult space too because kids really need boundaries. However, having said that, it's a space for us as adults and as parents to be vulnerable with our kids too and say, look it, I don't have all the answers. Or, you know, uh, maybe it, as we're speaking today, you know, a parent might take that and say, hmm, well, maybe I need to have a different kind of conversation with my teen and say, look it, you know, I've, I've noticed that we're not... Um, we don't speak to each other that often or, you know, I really don't know what's going on with you. So how about if we sit together and talk about some things that are going on for you so that I know that I can at least be there to support you as opposed to problem solving for you. And at that point, and that's that's part of the, the five strategies of dedicated listening is to be able to say, okay, so what's my role in this conversation? What would you like me to do? Would you like me just to listen? Would you like me to solve the problem for you or with you? Or would you just like me to maybe give you a different perspective to consider thinking about? The way that I've actually changed the way that I approach conversations with children because of something that Claire told me, you know, a little while ago, is that as a parent to a teenager, you shouldn't be their manager, you should be their consultant. And I've always, you know, every time they come to me with something, I think, right, I need to remember that I'm not their manager telling them what to do. I'm their consultant kind of, they're giving me all the information and I'm kind of giving them a little bit back, but kind of trying to help them solve their own problem. And I just think I've always found that a really useful approach. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's, that's similar to what I'm mm. saying. It's about... Yeah that and and being honest with them and saying you know i i don't know i you know this is or a, as we have this conversation i just want to be able to support you in what's going on because that's different than okay let me fix it or let me run to the school so i can you know yell at the teacher or the principal or whomever because you know something's going on with my child we need to be able to let some of that go because if if we continue to do what we're doing, that enhances in some ways some of the mental health concerns and we want to reduce them rather than putting more anxiety with our kids. Do you think it's about building resilience in our children? Well, it's a lot, yeah. I remember being at school and having some tricky situations actually with teachers who maybe just there was a bit of a clash between the class and the teacher and it was a bit of a tricky situation and I remember coming home to my parents and being like mm. obviously we were we were all perfectly behaved Perfect. in our view <laughs> um and I remember you know my dad just turning around and being like well you've got to go in and sort it out then haven't you and it's like right okay <laughs> and he's like well you've just got to have a conversation and I'm like right and I'm like, okay, 
let's give this a go. And I actually did go and have a conversation with the teacher and say, I don't know why we're all being like we're being. And the teacher was like, oh, well, actually, I think I'm coming at it wrong. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Yes, you are. (laughs) But interestingly, that relationship with that teacher from that point on was so different Mm-hmm. because actually it was about a respect thing. But I also respected my parents as much as they probably wanted to come and sort it out. They actually made me go sort it out. They were there to listen and give suggestions, whether I wanted to listen to them or not. Um, but I then did, you know, take it on. And when I went back, I was really proud of what I'd done because I'd done it. Um, but I think it's, it is about kind of, a respect element as well isn't mm-hmm. it that level of respect between Absolutely. that you have to see them that yes they're teenagers i think teenagers get a horrendous reputation everyone mm-hmm. always says oh wait till they're a teenager and you're just there going well they don't have to be i enjoy mine much more now they're teenagers than when they were toddlers because you can have those real adult conversations yeah. and actually they get more and more as they grow up as you kind of develop that relationship with them it becomes more and more and it can and and it can easily like you say that's the hard thing is that you don't you don't want to fall into the trap of trying to be their friend because they have their friends yeah they don't need you to be their friend they need you to be their kind of parent constant (laughs) i suppose yeah and they're constant and somebody that they know is there and that they feel safe to be there even if I mean and that's the other that that is one thing though you kind of feel like you are their constant but you kind of also feel like you've lost their place your place in their life and that's quite a hard thing because although you know that you, you kind of talk to them and they it's almost like they're ignoring you sometimes and you're like uh hello <laughs> and and that's really hard too I mean how do you approach that kind of thing well I and I think you know I wrote the book specifically on teenagers because I love them so much. And I love that, you know, all that mixed up stuff that's going on. It's important for us to be able to have those conversations earlier. Because you were saying that, you know, Mm. not necessarily as a toddler, but even if you're, you start to have those conversations when they're in, you know, in grade four or grade five or so on, where they're, you know, they, they do have a voice and, we need to allow them to have that voice and to value it because that's sometimes what gets lost in the mix is that we're busy always, you know, we're trying to get them to things. We're trying to get them organized or trying to, you know, make their lunch or tell them to make their bed or clean up their room or so on. And there's lots of stuff that's coming from on high as opposed to saying, okay, how about, you know, this is what I would like to talk about instead. Let's take a look at, um, you know, if you make your bed and if you clean your room, that's a contribution to our house so that it helps things to work better. If you put your clothes out the night before so that you're prepared, then it takes a little bit of the stress. So when you have those conversations, it gives them a chance to settle and be able to not feel so stressed and, you know, and... Um, at a point where they just they can't deal with you anymore because all they're hearing is this nagging and nattering and so on and it's most times it's unintentional by the parent but you're trying to you see the bigger picture 
of organizing things and getting them out the door and getting them to school or getting them to an activity or you know and that and then your own life is mixed in there too trying to organize your your things with you know your business and whatever it is that you're doing in, in your particular day and so that's the place where if we have this conversation considerably earlier and we establish a clear and open place of communication and love and respect and so on then you you usually because it's not everybody that that does it or has it but then usually you come to a place as a teenager where you say okay you know now what's going on or I can see that you're sad or I can see that you're frustrated or you know we haven't had a conversation in a while so tell me what's happening you know and then provide yourself with an opportunity to ask different kinds of questions because we all know you know and this is my favorite story with uh, you know a parent you know your your teen comes home at the end of the day and you say hi honey how was your day right for you that question is important because you want to know fine because there's a whole bunch of four-letter words that go on here <laughs> fine so what did you do today nothing what do you mean you did nothing, right? So there's that escalation that often happens, probably unintentionally, but still, you know, you want to know what's going on. What do you mean nothing? What do you mean? You've been away at school for eight hours and you can tell me nothing, right? And there's that sort of drop in kind of you get into that apathy space, you know, where they're hanging out there and they don't want to say anything or do anything because now they're seeing that you're escalated. And if they've been hearing that kind of thing from you, if they hear that kind of um, response from you or that agitation or so on, that just shuts them down. So up goes the hoodie, in go the earbuds, out comes the cell phone, and they're out of there. They're heartbroken, though, because you haven't asked them anything else about them. How is your day is kind of out there. I, They want to know that you really are asking them about, okay, so tell me how did, you know, you told me that you were writing a test this week. How did that go? You haven't told me anything about your best friend, so what's going on with that these days, right? So there are different kinds of questions that are, or even just sentence starters, or, you know, tell me a little bit more about that, right? So that you're expanding it to give them the space to be able to answer the questions. Because if that doesn't happen, then you're left with this escalation. You're standing there in the kitchen. You don't know the answer because they've shut down, right? So you're standing there, you're frustrated and so on. And you're also heartbroken because you can't get that connection going. Mm -hmm. And so that's the shift where we need to start asking different kinds of things in order to reconnect. I think that goes for all adults as well. Absolutely. Because I was just thinking, if I come home from a really busy day and a lot going on and someone asks me, how was your day? I'm probably likely to go, fine. (laughs) And then when they say, so what did you do? There's every chance I'm just like, stuff. And I'm an adult. And I sometimes just don't want to be questioned or... I've had too much going on in my day. Mm-hmm. That I just need someone to go, you okay? Do you need a cup of tea? Or do you, are you just going to go and have some time to yourself and see you later? Or yeah. It's that type of thing. I think we assume because they're younger and they're our children that they have to answer us 
Hmm. And that we're entitled to that information. Instantly. Instantly. Yeah. And that they have to be ready for a conversation. Because why wouldn't they be? I haven't seen them all day, so they have to be answering me. And I, you know, we hear it from very young children coming home from nursery, from school, and then from teenagers. And everyone goes, how was your day? What did you eat for lunch? And it's like, you know, I even know that the other week I came home from work and I'd, I'd eaten out for lunch. And my other half said to me, so what did you have? And I was like, well, we ate out. And I'm thinking, why have I answered like that? That's such an <laughs> immature answer. But I'd just hit my limit of I can't answer all these kind of questions. Just ask me, am I OK? Or, you know, has it been a long day? Yeah, it really has. That's more likely to open up a conversation <laughs> than some of those those real triggering questions for some reason. I don't know why they're so triggering. <laughs> but the thing is, I, I think that, you know, almost we're taking second place, aren't we, to a lot of things now, you know, mm-hmm. as a teenage parent. You know, they've got their friends. They've got their outside influences. They've got all of these things going on. And then you're saying, how was your day? And it's a bit like, oh, do you know what? I can't even think of this. This is somebody that is just here, really, to be here for me, you know. And and But as a parent, it's really hard to hear mm. that because you do want to know, like you just said, Claire, like, what did you have for your lunch? I mean, my goodness, I asked my son that yesterday <laughs> and he just looked at me like, what? But, you know, that is the thing because you default because you want to have a conversation with them. And so those are easy questions to ask. But like you say, you need to think about it a little bit more cleverly, don't you? Almost like trying to get in there. (laughs) Well, and I think, you know, Claire brought up a good point. Sometimes, even as adults, we need that time to decompress, right? Mm -hmm. We need that time to, you know, mindlessly sift through Facebook or you know, go on TikTok or whatever social media platform people, or they just need to sit and be quiet or they need to, you know, we all have had those times where you're sitting in front of uh, the TV and somebody says, so what show are you watching? And you have no idea because it's not the show you're watching. It's just the whole idea of, you know, you're brain dumping at that point and just allowing that space to be whatever it needs to be for you until you can re-engage and then answer the question. Yeah, I had a lovely lunch today, right? And we talked about this and, oh, wait till I tell you about this, right? So they're given the space and the chance to, to be able to reconfigure anything that happened in that day. And then some of your questions could be, so, you know, I'm curious, like, what was something that you thought that was really that made you think? Or what was something today that, you know, that made you sad? Or that you saw something, you know, and and so you saw a friend of yours, maybe somebody was teasing them. Did you do something about it or did you just walk away? And and so tell me a little bit more about that. Those are, are different kinds of um, opportunities for you to engage without it being a pressure thing. But here's the, here's the challenge with all of that. When, when I talked before about our upbringing, we have that back here. We have whatever it looked like, whatever it was, whatever we dealt with. However, what happens with that is that becomes, that's placed right here in front of us. 
because we always are responding to what we went through when we were growing up and what our background was like. So now you have these filters in front of you. The way you speak is a filter, the way you hear and the way you listen is already with filters. And your kids have similar kinds of filters because they hear you in the same kind of way all the time. And the way you respond is typical and the way you ask questions is typical. And so that's what, what triggers them because Claire mentioned it before, that's what triggers them not to want to answer because they're just gonna hear you say the same thing over and over again. So this, the space is, and this is, this is what I try to encourage parents to do, is to be able to move those filters out of the way and look at it from a different perspective. And that means that you're, you're trying to build trust again in a different kind of way because now they're, they're getting to be a little bit more mature. But there's still that kid thing going on and there's still that stuff happening with them in terms of, you know, they're trying to sort through their feelings and their emotions and, you know, how many thousands of likes did they get or not get on social media and are they matching up to the perfectness of our virtual world. And, and so those kinds of things are all mixed in with the anxiety and so on. And if you ask a different kind of question, then it's like, wow. Or, you know, you go back to saying, look at, you know, things haven't been going as well as I'd like them to go. I, I want to help and support you. I don't want to be your nagging parent. And when you say those kinds of things and you give them that space to hear that, then that's a space where they can begin to, to start to trust because it's not always built in there if they've had stuff happen or if they feel like that's all you're doing, you know, is nagging all the time. It almost sounds to me like you need to start practicing these things and start yes. doing these things from a younger age yeah. so that it becomes kind of second nature to do that. Because like Claire said, you know, you have people coming home from nursery and primary school, yeah. um, you know, asking the same kind of questions, don't you? And and you get the same kind of fine responses. But actually, if you think about it, if they're used to being asked that nearly every day, yeah, true. for maybe seven, eight years, and that's always, how was your day? What did you eat? How, you know, what did you, no wonder by the time they get to being a teenager, to be honest, no wonder they don't really answer you then, but the likelihood <laughs> of them answering you when they're a teenager, having asked every time they've gone to school, it's mm. like, do you know what? We're, that question has no relevance. Well, it almost yeah. becomes white noise, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, it always becomes like you can't hear it It's a bit he of a social aspect, isn't it? Yeah. It's that kind of, that's what we do. Every time I come out of school, you ask me that question. I say, fine. You get cross. You, get, you, yeah. you go this, that and the other, and then it's over. Mm. So we have to go through that process, but it means nothing to either of us. And all it does is wind the adult up ultimately <laughs> um so i think it's yeah it's it is just about conversations isn't it it's yeah. just that basic human and i think people talk about the fact that their children grunt and don't really talk and then sort of in a way I think I've seen quite a few times mimicking what the teenager might do when they grunt or when they don't answer to be like, oh, what's the matter with you then? And actually, that's quite triggering as well, isn't it? Because mm -hmm. 
I'm not sure you're going to end up getting the conversation you want to get from that. But I, I suppose it's an innate in us that we want a conversation, so we then try and, in a way, antagonise it. I don't know. Is it us trying to get their attention and get them to say something, if it's anything? Guilty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, part of that, too, is is recognizing and and that's part of conversation too because that's why I call the book courageous conversations because we have to step out of our own comfort zone to figure things out this is not a um you know an a solution to everybody's problem all all at one time or you know because I always imagined I was going to be the silver bullet for um, you know, for bullying and for all of these issues. And I realize that this is really about community and it's about having those conversations and, and the courage to have them and not standing there saying, okay, well, my kid's coming home at, you know, 3.05 and I'm going to ask them how their day was. Like, hi, honey, I'm glad you're home. Good to see you. You know, those kinds of things. And then just say, you know, can we sit and have a conversation or do you need some time? You know, similar things to what both of you have said that, you know, just gives them some space mm -hmm. to be able to be on their own, do their own thing, you know, can maybe in half an hour or so on, I'm making some tea or I'm, you know, do you want, do you want a drink or something so that we can, you know, I just want to hear what's going on. So I'll give you some time, come back later and, you know, and let's have a conversation about it. You almost need those kind of conversation starters up your sleeve, don't you? I know that you've, Absolutely. you you say you say that, don't you, Claire? Like at the dinner table, you could have those. Everybody has to give their three good things about the day. Yeah. And in at night, when my children, ever since they've been able to talk, we always ask them, "What was your favourite bit of the day?" And sometimes it turns into like a long conversation at bedtime. But do you know what? That's fine if it's your favourite bit of the day. And actually, that's giving you a little bit, you know, sometimes it might be my bike ride home or it might be, oh, I had a really nice lunch. with. But you find out things by giving them the opportunity and asking them that open question. And then, you know, sometimes it's like not a lot, you know, <laughs> I haven't really had a, I haven't really got a favourite bit of the day today. But, you know, that's OK as well, because if someone asks you, like you said, Claire, someone asks you, what's your favourite bit of today? Sometimes like, do you know, I can't even remember what I've done today. You know, it's like it's just been a day. It's been an ordinary day. And that is all right. But you kind of forget, don't you? And you kind of think, no, you should have something which was really good today. But it, it doesn't always happen. Or, you know, what was something that that could have made your day better? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that you're at, because I just, um, I just wrote out a hundred questions that parents could ask, right? And, and some of them are quite complex and some of them are, you know, easy peasy, like, you know, who did you sit with today at lunch? How's it going with your friend? You know, you, you told me about this friend of yours who was having some struggles. How are things going? You know, have they been able to share with you? Like, so that it, it doesn't need to always be the same kind of question, but giving them a variety of things and, and honoring what they can contribute to the conversation. So maybe talking about current events, you know, we, I, and you can say to them, you know, I just read this article or I just listened to this podcast and, you know, this is happening. So the two of you now know that in North America, 
suicide amongst teens is the second cause of death. You can now say, hmm, what do you think about that? And, and what do you think we could do to help solve that problem? Why do you think that's happening, right? So those are all open-ended questions where kids get a, a chance to think too and they can see, or you can talk about, you know, what's happening in your government, or what do you think about, you know, the dollar, or whatever, right, the pound. I'm not sure or, we want to talk about our government at the moment, Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one, too. But, it, it, you know, because it, it, it stimulates other parts of their brain to be able to say, hmm, I hadn't thought about that. Or, you know, you can say, have you noticed, you know, maybe some of your friends have, have they been a little bit more depressed or so on. So you're moving it a little bit away from them so they don't feel targeted and that they can then think about it and say, yeah, you know, I noticed that my friend doesn't seem to be as happy as they normally are. I wonder what's going on or they've told me something and I don't know what to do with it. I don't know how to. I don't know how to deal with it. So here, I'm. I'm giving it to you to say, can you help me with this, right? And that's all about the trust, and it's about a, a shift in perspective, and it's about being able to allow them the space too to be able to contribute and be valued for their contribution. I think it's quite. I don't have children of my own, but I have um, a lot of God children. It comes kind of part and parcel of the job I think um but some of my godchildren now are teenagers and older and that relationship shift and what I've I love now is that lots of my friends say to my godchildren well if you don't want to talk to us about it talk to Auntie Claire about it why don't you ask Claire about it yeah and actually you know they might be sat there but this teenager will still talk because I'm not their parent. Right. And I was in the car with two of my godchildren and um, they were like, What's, what we say in the car stays in the car, doesn't it, Auntie Claire? And I was like, well, obviously it depends on what it is, but if it's just you talking, that's fine. I said, obviously, if it's something I was really worried about, I would tell you that I needed to tell whoever. And, um, but they're just like, chat, 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 chat. And they're like, what do you think? And I'm like, I don't understand half of what you're talking about. Um, however, I'm like, can you explain it to me? Because I'm not sure I understand that and I don't want to get it wrong. And they're like, right, well, it's this, this, this. Um, and I went out for a coffee with a friend and her her daughter and she opened up, opened up so much about something that was going on. And we just sat there with a coffee and it was just so in that she felt that she had been given quite a grown-up platform because it was us sitting at a coffee having a coffee she joined us and had a coffee you know there was no all of those sorts of things and it was just a really two and a half hours we sat and chatted to her about things and it was like wow how many people get to have a two and a half hour conversation with a teenager who told us everything about what she was worrying about and what was an issue and and there was no judgment. It was just, oh, okay, that sounds pretty tough. And she's like, well, it is, but I've got, I've got, you know, I'm going to sort it out because I'm doing this, this, and this. And you're like, wow, okay, great, amazing. 
I think those grown-up platforms, you do get a lot out of them when they feel... Yeah. I always remember going to a friend's house, and I've said that to you, a friend's house, and it was the first time we sat around at dinner, and there were quite a few adults, and we sat around at dinner, and I think it was the first time that they had been recognised as a valuable contribution properly, not just children sitting at the table. Mm-hmm. And they came out of it like they were walking you know a bit a foot taller you know they actually felt really valued and I think if you can get to that point where you are whether they feel like they are an equal and that they have as much respect as other people around not just as a child who just needs to kind of get on and tells a few stories and does what have you but doesn't make a valuable contribution then I think that that goes such a long way to mm-hmm. helping the whole conversation. And they see it differently too, because mm-hmm. their view of the world is different than yours and mine, mm-hmm. because they come from it from a different perspective. And so to allow them that opportunity to voice their opinion and to have a, to be able to contribute to the conversation is massive. And that's, you know, oftentimes I'll have this kind of conversation with teachers because teachers uh, can be that saving grace, like Claire, like you said, you know, because you, you are not directly connected. That person isn't your child. And so those opportunities to have those conversations are huge. And, you know, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, teachers are a saving grace because they often have those relationships if they coach those kids or if they're in drama or if they're in art or whatever, like some extracurricular activity, right? Or they go to the community center or whatever kinds of things are going on. Those are the the kinds of folks that they can let that pressure release and they can have those conversations similar to the one that you said. And and you asked before about uh, what some of the tips and tricks are. And one of them is exactly, Claire, what you said about being in a car. And so here's the, here's the thing about that, right? The, the car is an enclosed space, but you're far enough away and you're close enough to have conversation. You don't have to look at each other. It's also a space sort of of safety because, you know, I mean, you're not going to fly out the door as the, the car is driving, but it gives you an opportunity and it gives those kids who are with you an opportunity to have those conversations and just, you know, not not necessarily be entirely engaged. So they can have their hoodie up, but they can be looking out the window or they can be sitting in the back seat or wherever they are and they can still feel free to share with you. Without the pressure. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's one of your tips. We're gonna, we were going to ask you as just to kind of finish up what, for three top tips so there's one top tip for somebody with teens or somebody with who might be about to approach the teen stage so the one I mentioned very early in our conversation was about listening without judgment because that's that's critical to a conversation because if the kids feel that you're going to solve the problem for them every time or you're going to swoop right in or you know, be a helicopter parent where you're, you know, going to rush off to the school and do whatever. That's, you know, understanding versus judgment. Another one is setting intentional time. So that means that even if you have two or three kids, that you need to be able to spend some dedicated time just with one at a time. 
so that you can establish that relationship with them or enhance that relationship or mend that relationship depending on where you are with that particular child. And that could mean getting in the car and going for a ride or going to, you know, pick up a, a coffee or a hot chocolate like Claire had mentioned before and, you know, in, in that story that she shared. So it needs to be intentional time. But that means this needs to go away. Everybody needs to put their cell phone or their TV or their whatever, their games or whatever. That needs to be set aside so that you can have that intentional time. Now with that too, there needs to be, it doesn't need, but it's certainly helpful if there's time in your home when everybody is together that you're doing something different. So that means you're playing a game or you're, you know, having a conversation around the table or you pull out cards and you're playing or you you get out of the house together without all that technology because there needs to be a time and a space for all of us because we're so connected to it now that we need to disconnect from that so that we can really seriously be engaged with conversation or enjoying nature or, you know, playing something. You know, you go hiking together or go to the movies or do something different that's going to be with all of you. Wow, gosh. Well, I think I, I kind of feel like I could spend the rest of my <laughs> afternoon talking to you about this, Elizabeth. But um, can, we just, can we just finish by asking you um, just to recap the name of your book, but also sure. where people can find more information about you and connect with you and that kind of thing? Okay, so the name of the book is called Courageous Conversations. Can we get that in the UK, do you know? Uh, I would think so, yes, because yeah. it's on Amazon. Okay, perfect. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called Courageous Conversations, a guide for parents to understand and connect with their teens. Mm -hmm. And you can reach me on my website, www.elizabethbennettgroup.com. Okay. That's my website. And then if parents are interested in some tips and tricks that I have, I have uh, a gift for them. And they can get it at courageous-parents.com. Okay, that's super. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, we'll definitely put links to that in our show notes. And well, just to say, thank you. That was yeah. really, really enlightening and really enjoyable. Wait until your two get home, Bex. You'll be Hello. you'll be asking some very inspired <laughs> questions this afternoon. They won't know what's happened. Well, I think what they'll say is, uh, "Don't you want to know what I had for lunch?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can have a laugh about it, right? Because yeah, that's part of it too. We have to have time where we can laugh together. But there exactly. was one thing that, that Claire mentioned before, and it's also part of what I talk about with parents, is to acknowledge your child for what they share with you because it's heavy for them. And for them to have been carrying that around for so long by themselves, in that conversation that you're having, you want to be able to say, wow, thank you for sharing. I can't believe that you carried that by yourself for so long. Yeah, that is really important. Thank you. Oh, it was great. Thanks. Thank you so much. It was delightful. That's everything for today. Thanks for listening. If there's something you'd like us to talk about, we'd love you to get in touch and let us know. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Bespoke Family or head to our website 
The links are in our show notes. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss the next episode and please give us a rating or review if you like what you hear. We're Bex and Claire and we'll be back soon with another episode of Newborn to Teen and everything in between. See you then. Bye.